Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you because Reed is definitely his own man with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio and it is the show before Christmas. In fact, some of you might be listening to this on Christmas Day or the day after. I just want to wish everybody, before I get started with the show, the merriest of Christmases, the happiest of Hanukkahs, and a great upcoming New Year's. That show will be my annual What I Prognosticated and Forecast Right for the Last Year and Not Right. I will admit that normally my prognostications are right. And my forecast for the upcoming year, what promises to be a tumultuous 2024 in all sorts of respects, from economic to geopolitical, to conflict, strife, and war around the globe, and of course, to elections. But more importantly than all that, Christmas and Hanukkah and this time of year is a time for friends and family, the giving of gifts and treasured moments with people you love, and good friends who are close to your heart. Many of you in the Rocky Mountain area listening to this show on AM stations and podcasts in six western states will probably have a white Christmas good for you. And many of you back east, down in the southeast, Texas, hither, yither, and yon throughout the United States, well, you might not have a white Christmas, but you will have the Christmas spirit. And I wish all of you a safe, a healthy, and a really, really, really happy holiday weekend. Now, as to the show, first of all, a little housekeeping. I would love to get your opinions. You know, we have a YouTube channel. Basically, the show, as you listen to it on podcast or on AM radio, wherever you may be, is what the YouTube channel is. But I've had a lot of folks tell me that we should do a video YouTube channel. That's right, with my ugly maw and jauntily perched cowboy hat, center stage on your screen, wherever you may be around the world, listening to the Cowboys take. And I'm giving it serious consideration. I'd love to have your feedback. You can email me at on the right side radio at Reagan.com. That's on the right side radio at Reagan.com. And in fact, email me there for anything. Comments, criticisms, barbed wire, whatever your wish may be. The second thing on our house cleaning list, and I'm not going to do this in the rat-a-tat-tat, but this is directed specifically at you folks throughout Colorado that listen to me, including on the mighty KGAB out of Cheyenne throughout all of northern Colorado, a large portion of the Denver metro area, Fort Collins, Loveland, Longmont, etc., and of course Greeley. You probably know that your Supreme Court in a 4-3 to three decision wrongfully, unlawfully, and unconstitutionally determined in their infinite progressive wisdom that Donald Trump cannot be on the Colorado ballot. This is highly likely to get tossed by the United States Supreme Court, as it should, but it is an indication to you folks just how far your state has slipped, how far to the left it has drifted. You know, I loved Colorado. This is back decades ago. In many ways, it was one of the one or two or three best states in the Union. It had it all. And it had that cowboy mentality. It had that Western outlook. It had that conservative spirit. But starting with our friend Barack Obama, who was determined to turn your state blue 
and did so with the advent of the pot laws, because Colorado was a leader and therefore attracted the, shall we say, the initial frothing foam of the tidal wave of folks who like to smoke pot. And he succeeded in turning Colorado blue, very blue. And it's not just the quantity of people who have moved to Colorado, several million, that has kind of degraded the landscape, created incredible, I mean, just ugly traffic up and down the front range. I dread driving on I-25 almost at any time of the day or night. And the sprawl of unsightly subdivisions hither, yither, yon, and as far as the eye can see. It is, unfortunately, the type of people that have been attracted, starting with Barry Obama's insidious but very successful turn of a red state blue, nine electoral votes. That's what it was all about. He cared not a wither about the beauty, the majestic space, and the resources of the state. He cared only about the political result. You know, Alinsky's rules for radicals. The means is justified by the end, or the end justifies the means, however you'd like to read Alinsky's rule. And for those of you who are listening to me down there in Colorado and elsewhere around the country, let Colorado be a warning to other states as to what the progressives will do to turn a state blue, which, by the way, happens to include at the current time you know, plane loads, bus loads, and train loads of illegal immigrants being shipped high and low and across the country to unknown destinations, totally unvetted. To hell with American safety, to hell with American taxpayer dollars, to hell with the borders, to hell with sovereignty of the United States of America. To hell with that good old American spirit and American assimilation of very welcome immigrants who follow the laws. But this next part of this little message is directed to you folks down there in Colorado, or for that matter, anywhere around the country, who happen to be, shall we say, on the left side of liberal, who happen to be progressive, tuning in to me maybe to just kind of monitor what I'm saying, or because you're curious, or because you like to grimace and shake your fist at the radio, or maybe just by accident because you're driving through the area. My message to you is that the glee that many of you may have felt in this <laughs> really unbelievable ruling by the Colorado Supreme Court should be measured and tempered by this thought. When one person's rights are eroded, all person's rights are eroded. And what is being done to Donald Trump, not only in this nonsense ruling by the progressives of Colorado, a state which, you know, let's face it, he probably couldn't carry on his best day, and therefore no loss of electoral votes to the Republicans, the conservatives, or to Trump. But understand that the contrived indictments, contrary to the facts, brought in carefully selective blue progressive grand jury areas and trial areas by prosecutors with the unlimited treasury of your tax dollars to play with. And this ruling by the Colorado Supreme Court is an infringement on your rights, folks. That's right. It is the erosion of your constitutional rights. That means you, progressives who are listening to me. That means you, liberals who are listening to me. And understand that if they can do it to a former president, if they can do it to a Donald Trump, they can do it to you. So be careful what you express smug satisfaction over. Be careful at what you laugh at. Because one day, unless the rule of law is upheld, unless the Constitution is followed, and it doesn't mean, and it doesn't matter about who or about what, left, right, center, civil or criminal, your rights are being eroded. And one day, that chicken will come home to roost for all of us, including you. So on this show, folks, because that's the end of the housekeeping, 
other than a little bit about the books. There'll be some newsletters going out on books five and six for you followers of the Threads West series. Shortly from the website, www.threadswestseries.com. Sign up for the newsletters. They're few and far between, but they're packed full of information and some great pictures, I might add. The show today is, as promised last week, the nitty-gritty of the Western powers' interference, (laughs) purposeful interference, and stirring the pot of turbulence to their own design and for their own ends in the Mideast since the fall of the Ottoman Empire back there at the end of World War I. And then I'm going to have the next installment of the personal preparedness series that I've started for you. I had lots of questions on the land portion last week. I'm going to fill in some holes, uh, answer some questions, spend a little time on that. We'll start getting into the residential real estate portion of personal financial preparedness, particularly given the delicate precipice that housing around the United States and most markets is now teetering on, even though the government tells you something different. And then, of course, we're going to have a rat-a-tat-tat. I had a whole bunch of comments on rat-a-tat-tat last week. I spent an extensive amount of time on new COVID studies, which are chilling, on really exciting COVID litigation news. I mean, the pendulum is starting to swing faster and faster in the opposite direction, and well it should, and well-deserved will be the recipient of trillion, billion who knows how much in judgments, like our friends who care so much about us at Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca, you know, all those guys who wake up in the morning and think about how they can make your life better. And I wanted to say, because I didn't have a chance or actually forgot to say last week, go to the homepage on ontherightsideradio.com. Click on the COVID tab or the COVID litigation tab, upper right corner. There's been a whole bunch of articles added over the last few weeks, particularly last week, and more will be added this week. And they are from world-renowned experts. They are of studies, and they are of litigation on the COVID litigation page. And once again, I will exhort all of you, because it is right, it is lawful, it is constitutional, and it is your duty as Americans, if you want to stop the nonsense that's going on, to, if you have a claim due to the jabs, due to mandates, due to anything related to COVID or that type of action by a government or employer, bring those claims. Plenty of attorneys out there will be handling them for you on contingency. If you have a good one, do it, bring it. And now on a lighter kind of note, but a serious one, how about our founder's quote for today? Going into Christmas after a, (laughs) you know, mind-shattering eye-popping year, let's face it. This is from George Washington. So apropos, given our international situation right now, isn't it? Here we go. Quote, the nation which indulges towards another, an habitual hatred or an habitual fondness, is in some degrees a slave. It is a slave to its animosity or to its affection, either of which is sufficient to lead it astray from its duty and its interest, unquote. And the duty and the interest of a nation, folks, is to its citizen. And how about our rant story today? I've gotten a lot of comments on the rant story over the last three, four weeks. I'm glad you folks enjoy it. There is some common sense living out in the sticks on ranch life. I mean, if you get it wrong and you don't use your head, why don't we just say bad things can happen? In fact, bad things will happen, not can happen. So I've told you a little bit about this solar install that we're doing couple of rant stories over the past month or two. And over the last week, the solar panels got put up. We had poured a foundation 
to sink the pedestals, the vertical pedestals that support the racks that the panels go on. And I have some great photos. I might post one or two on the website, on the rightsideradio.com for you to see. But the panels are now up. The installation looks terrific. I got in the Bobcat and backfilled it the other day. So it'll be a growing grass and blending in with the landscape as much as it can late this coming spring. And if you remember back a few rant stories ago, I told you about the head scratching that went on as to the location of these panels. I mean, they can't be obstructed. They have to catch the full due south, real south. <laughs> I got a lot of comments on that one. Dumbass rancher me forgetting about true south versus magnetic south. But that's yet another tale. Go back and listen to that show. You'll like it a couple weeks ago. But the panels are now up, and I've looked at it from every single window that could possibly see them from the ranch house. I've looked at them from the ranch road leading up to the ranch house and from the area around the ranch house. And you know, I couldn't be more pleased. I mean, yes, the panels are there and they're not invisible, but they really are unobtrusive. I mean, they kind of blend into a tree line, which is directly behind them by just six or seven feet. They're out of the line of sight of the huge proportion of the view. They're at an angle to the ranch house, so it's not like a front-on visual assault. And I'm, I'm really quite pleased with how it came out. I might add that several of the folks out here at the ranch had contributed opinions. <laughs> And one of them, at least, is a listener to this show. So let me give all the devils their due. This terrific location for the panels could not have been chosen by me alone. It was a confab. It was a community discussion project. And we really spent a lot of time on it. I mean, I personally went out to every single spot that these panels could possibly go within range of the house in terms of the cable that we have to run from the panels to the inverter, which will be in the house. And it required a lot of thought. And it kind of delayed the installation of the whole shebang by about a month. But you know what? That time and that thought and that boots on the ground, okay, if I put them right here, standing right there in the spot, what's the effect going to be in all directions? What's the effect on the working of the panels? Oh, they're going to get shade in the morning. They're going to get shade in the afternoon. Whatever the reason was to take a site and throw it to the side and look for another or look for the alternatives. That time and that thought on a big picture, not just a little picture, considering all the elements, was really well worth it. And I am really pleased with the outcome. And the moral of this story is that there are times in life when it's time to act almost without thinking, instantaneously, immediately, particularly in times of danger or opportunity. But there are also times, particularly when you're dealing with a permanent fixture, I mean, once it's in, it ain't going anywhere. You're going to be living with it forever. That has an impact on its surrounding area or all the surrounding humans. And that time and that thought is well worth the effort. Because in the end, that extra effort on the construction or the implementation, if it happens to be a non-construction item, or really on anything in life that is of long-term impact on many different levels, will be well, well served by considering all the possibilities before pulling that trigger. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal, and obviously I've done a pile of research on this little series of personal financial preparedness I'm bringing you. And in doing so, I looked at a bunch of precious metal dealers. There's a bunch of them out there. Some are very good, but I think one of the very best, BBB, A-plus rated, five-star rated, is Harvard Gold Group. They have a terrific private direct delivery program, your house, your business, your investment accounts. They can help you set up your investment accounts to hold these metals. 
I negotiated, by the way, a $250 discount on your first order through them, which I think is kind of cool. And they have a lowest price guarantee, whether it's gold or silver, and they will be happy to talk to you about that and how it works. So call them, 844-977-GOLD, or go to their website, harvardgoldgroup.com, and use the code READ, READ, that's me, to get your $250 discount and some other goodies. Are you a fan of the 1883 miniseries? Then you will love its partial inspiration, Threads West, an American saga. The number one national Amazon and Barnes & Noble best-selling multi-generational epic saga of the American story in the West. Recipient of a whopping 37 national awards, including Best Historical Fiction, Best Multicultural Fiction, Best Fiction Series, Best Romance, and Best Western. You will recognize the characters that live in these pages. They are you. They are us. This is not only their story, it is our story. Threads West is written by Wyoming rancher Reed Lance Rosenthal. Lois Henderson, Chief AD Library Information Services, proclaims fluent and strong, sensual, evocative, and unforgettable. Compared to McMurtry's Pulitzer Prize-winning Lonesome Dove and Michener's Centennial, Rosenthal's epic masterpiece will rival even some of Louis LaAmour's best-loved work. Called the Gone with the Wind of the West and Sackets on Steroids. Get it now. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Kindle, Nook, Audible, or the publisher. ThreadsWestSeries.com. So let's wrap up our series on the Mideast. Three weeks ago, I brought you the history of Palestine from the Arab perspective. Two weeks ago, I brought you the history of the Palestinian area, the Mideast, from the Israeli perspective. Last week, I gave you the background, the foundation of how Western powers, the United States, Britain, France, etc., has, should we say, created their own mess, created the mess in the Middle East, and keep perpetuating it. This week, I'm going to bring you the specifics, or at least some of the specifics, because there's so many. These are kind of the, the covert specifics, what the Western intelligence agencies have done to keep Arab factions, the Shia, the Sunni, the Christians, monarchists, Islamists, etc., fractionalized, just as they do to the populations in their own countries, i.e. the United States. The old divide and conquer, you could say, is stunning. And a lot of it you probably don't know, and it's fascinating. And you will be a bit horrified, but you will understand why there is mess in the Mideast, what is happening in Gaza, and other places that, oh, the mainstream press, the mouthpiece of these Western governments, don't seem to want to bring you. Did you know that there's a huge uprising, very bloody, going on in Tunisia right now, with the fingerprints of the CIA and MI6, the British intelligence agencies, all over it. And the West is repeating its mistakes of the last 70 years or so, all the way going back to right after World War I and the carve-up of the Mideast, primarily by Britain and France, but with America kind of on the sidelines grabbing some spoils also. And then, of course, I'm going to bring you the rest of the story. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait to hear that. Eye-popping, folks. So there have been various uprisings, so to speak, according to the Western press, of Arab populations in various countries since the Mideast was carved up after the fall of the Ottoman Empire at the end of World War I. The Arabs, like any other people, want to govern themselves. Unfortunately, all the meddling by the Western powers has created animosity, has fueled the rise of the true radical Islamist factions, which, because they control the elections and they control the arms in these countries, see what's happening in Gaza with Hamas, control elections. Should we say rig elections? Oh, well, where have we heard that tune before? For instance, the rigging of the 1952 elections against Islamic opposition 
sparked rioting, and political parties were banned. This is in Libya, where Idris, the Western puppet, was later overthrown by Gaddafi. Oh, that guy. You know, the guy that Hillary Clinton chortled about wiping out, erasing from the face of the earth just several years ago. Did you know that Gaddafi nationalized oil and closed the U.S. Wheelis base, something the U.S. never forgave him for? In the oil fields of Basra, right? Iraq. Do you remember the first and second Mideast wars? U.S. and British forces and ambassadors and diplomats combined. And there was a Mr. Gibson who owned, or should we say controlled, the British Iraq Petroleum Company. Oh, back to oil. And the Iraqi Prime Minister, Nuro Saeed, also for them, for the West, opened the Zubair oil field near Basra in 1952. The guise was... Oh, this is going to bring schools and hospitals through, quote, joint labor of East and West, unquote. You know, there's always a cloak, folks. There's always a psyops going on. But wait until you hear what happened to Saeed. Oh, yes, the West was involved with that, too. They just didn't like that puppet, had to replace him with another. And that will ring home because it's modern-day era effects and impacts. All this goes back to what's called the Sykes-Picot Agreement, S-Y-K-E-S dash P-I-C-O-T. That was the first World War carve-up of the Arab East between Britain and France with America picking up some scraps. And the Arab population throughout the Middle East, they knew exactly what was going on. And it began the seething resentment toward the West and later on the West's, shall we say, largest military base, which is the country of Israel in the Mideast. You know the enmity between Iran and the West? (laughs) Other than Barack Obama, who loves them. That goes back to Mohammed Mossadegh. He nationalized Iran's oil in 1953. The West didn't like that much. Kind of led by Britain, there was a CIA MI6 organized coup that ousted him in favor of the Shah of Iran, who Western press portrayed as popular and a dramatic turn of events, and etc., 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 and damned Mossadegh, who had been democratically elected, as a quote-unquote virtual dictator. He was later, by the way, under Western auspices, tried for treason and executed. Boy, does that sound familiar? Hmm, what's happening with Trump? Oh yeah, that's right. And at his trial, he testified that he hoped his sentence and death would serve as an example to, quote, breaking the chains of colonial servitude, unquote. And of course, the installation of the Shah bred all sorts of animosity in Iran. And it paved the way for the Iranian Revolution and the Islamic Republic. That's right, our buddy the Ayatollah. 26 years later, and you know the mess we have going with Iran right now. And by the way, I'm not taking Iran's side. I mean, they need to be dealt with severely. But not in the typical fashion that Western powers are used to dealing with these types of matters. Because it's just not going to work. It's going to blow up in our faces again and again and again and again. And then we have the devastation of Damascus. That's right, Syria, here we go again, same old circle, by French colonial forces during the Syrian revolt where they tried to wean themselves from the West of 1925. I mean, basically, Damascus was destroyed by the French. 30 years later, Port Said was invaded by the Anglo-French forces in Egypt, 1956. And it marked kind of the replacement of the former European colonial states by the United States. That's when the United States really kind of just stepped into, shall we say, the power role, the power broker of the Mideast. And Britain and France kind of fell back a little bit, although they remain in uh, major supporting actor roles in everything that's going on over there. And we have the Anglo-French operation on the Suez Canal in 1956, spearheaded by 
the Israeli army. And there are newsreel clips, you can Google them up. Actually, don't Google them up. Duck, duck, go them up. Of British troops attacking the city of Suez and occupying and destroying basically the entire city. And using religious and ethnic divisions to enforce these foreign occupations which breed resentment and radical Islamists. The Americans in Iraq, the French in colonial Syria and Lebanon, the British wherever they went. It was always portrayed as bringing democracy, right? How many times have you heard that psyops? And, quote, keeping the peace between hostile populations, which, of course, we created with psyops. And that stems all the way, folks, from Cyprus to Palestine and every country in between. And the Western alliance was instrumental in the crushing of the Bahrain uprising, the isolation of Shia unrest in Sunni, Saudi Arabia, you know, it goes back to that oil petrodollar, folks, and the increasing and unfortunately still ongoing sectarian conflict, because that's what it is, in Syria, which resulted much to Barack Obama's delight in the displacement of 6 million Muslims to Europe. Watch what's happening in Europe right now with the Muslim populations. But the real shtick, if you will, the real fly in the ointment, the real sand in your eye in terms of the Arab perception, putting all this other stuff to the side, which is huge in country after country after country after country, is the Western sponsorship of Palestine's, as they call it, colonization by Israel. Israel could not have been created without Britain's 30-year imperial rule in Palestine leading up to the formation of the Jewish state. And its sponsorship, Britain's sponsorship, of large-scale European Jewish immigration, which was under the banner of the Balfour Declaration of 1917. I talked about it in the previous shows. Go back and listen to them on the right side radio. And listen, I'm a firm supporter of Israel. I think Israel rocks in many ways, but that does not and should not deny us the opportunity to really look at what's gone on in the Middle East over the last 70 years and to understand why this has remained a bubbling, simmering, boiling pot of conflict, hate, and bloodshed. Israel was not created because the Western powers cared about Jews. In fact, the Western powers, you might not have known this, cut off immigration by Jews desperate to escape Hitler's reign of terror. The British stopped Jewish immigration to Israel. The United States wouldn't allow Jews to immigrate under Roosevelt to America. There's no love of Jews by the Western world. But Israel is kind of their foot in the door in the Mideast. It's the staging operation. It is a well-trained and Western-supplied army that can be mobilized to do Western bidding. And, of course, it's called defense And that's not to take anything away from Israel's right to take revenge and to eliminate terrorists like Hamas, which perpetrate dastardly deeds. But understand how all this became to be and why it became to be. None of this is philanthropic on the part of the West. And I understand the rules of power. Power fills vacuums. That area is oil rich. Energy is the driver of the world. In the case of the petrodollar, it is the foundation of the U.S. currency, which is the reserve currency of the world, which is the foundation of American power and hegemony around the world. Now, of course, that's under assault, too, because of America's misuse of the dollar. Going back to 1939, British troops invade Nablus, aiding and protecting, they said. In fact, the exact words were, British troops ever watchful, ever protective, unquote. And this was to create a diversion and distraction and protect the establishment of the Israeli state, later to become the projection of power of the West in the Mideast by the British. In fact, you may not know, but British troops occupied Jerusalem in 1938. And we know what a powder keg Jerusalem is to the Christian, the Muslim, and 
the Jewish religions. And the United States was deeply involved in the overthrow of Mubarak in Egypt. Do I think that was a good thing? Yes. He was a Muslim Brotherhood pawn. The Muslim Brotherhood is not a pleasant group, and they are bent on the overthrow of the West. They are bent on the, literally, the killing of Christians, all infidels. And they are smooth, smooth. They have infiltrated every aspect of American society with the aid and the well-greased palms of American politicians on both sides of the aisle. And now we have a repeat of history, folks. And that is this uprising in Tunisia and the mess going on in Gaza and on Israel's northern border, the Lebanese border with Hezbollah. And this friction between the Arab populations of the Mideast and the West accentuated and exacerbated and multiplied exponentially by all these events and others that I don't have time to tell you about, really started back in the 1950s. That's when the West really started to throw its muscle around, both uh, out in the open, kind of, under the psyops of Western press, and covertly, you know, the color revolutions I've told you about. But it's when the Arab states started dropping out of the Western orbit, and it was under the influence of Nasser, right, the ruler of Egypt at that time, and his ideology, his policy of pan-Arabism. And it spread to when Iraqi nationalist army officers overthrew a corrupt and repressive Western-backed regime that was garrisoned by British forces at the time. And that's the 1958 Iraq Revolution. Once again, the Western-backed and installed and supported Iraqi monarchy was deposed. In fact, they were worried enough about that Arab Spring the Arab Spring of the 1950s, that within days of that mess in Iraq, British and U.S. troops by the thousands were moved into Jordan and Lebanon to protect two other Western client regimes from this spreading Nasserite revolt. The Western press, by the way, called the move, quote, stopping the rot in the Middle East, unquote. That should give you a, an idea of the Western press psyops. And if you go back to Tunisia, which is bubbling and boiling right now. The uprising started in Sidi Bouzid, and Tunisia was a French colony, and the animosity of the Tunisians go all the way back to that in the 1950s. In fact, there were Tunisian nationalist riots in 1952, and of course, French troops went in to, you know, keep the peace and keep the people safe. And now for the rest of the story on Western interference in Mideast affairs with <laughs> rather disastrous ongoing results. So let's go back to 1954. Did you know that the Queen of England, remember, the Brits were kind of running the show over there then, visits Aden. Aden, which was a British colony, is now part of Yemen. And the Western press portrayed the visit as being greeted by thousands of, quote, cheering loyal subjects, unquote, welcoming their, quote, their own queen, unquote, and, quote, an outstanding example of colonial development, unquote. How's that for an admission of how the West perceived their influence and their role in the Mideast back then, which is coming home to roost now? And speaking of coming home to roost now, as part of the rest of the story, I think it's summed up perfectly by a Palestinian blogger by the name of Lina Al-Sharif. And she tweeted on Armistice Day this year, quote, The reason World War I isn't over yet is because we in the Middle East are still living in the consequences, unquote. Next week, we're going to go over the history of Federal Reserve and the federal government, should we say, manipulation of the markets, what they've tried to do to tweak the economy since the advent of the Federal Reserve in 1913. Go back to my show, History of the Federal Reserve, in the archives on the therightsideradio.com. And that's going to tie right into what we're going to be discussing in these next upcoming segments of personal financial preparation. 
And to recap, why are we having this mini-series for you, if you will? Well, let me reiterate. We've talked to you about the secondary debt, the full faith and credit of the United States, all the entitlements out there, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, another hundred plus trillion dollars. Many people think we have 200 trillion in debt, both primary and secondary. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal, and obviously I've done a pile of research on this little series of personal financial preparedness I'm bringing you. And in doing so, I looked at a bunch of precious metal dealers. There's a bunch of them out there. Some are very good, but I think one of the very best, BBB, A-plus rated, five-star rated, is Harvard Gold Group. They have a terrific private direct delivery program, your house, your business, your investment accounts. They can help you set up your investment accounts to hold these metals. I negotiated, by the way, a $250 discount on your first order through them, which I think is kind of cool. And they have a lowest price guarantee, whether it's gold or silver, and they will be happy to talk to you about that and how it works. So call them, 844-977-GOLD, or go to their website, harvardgoldgroup.com, and use the code READ, READ, that's me, to get your $250 discount and some other goodies. Hey listeners, this is Reed Lance Rosenthal, your host of On the Right Side Radio, and I have a message for you. Do you want a business? Sell a product? Provide a service? Have a message you want to get out? Do you believe in freedom, the Constitution, and America? Here's your opportunity to reach 69 million sets of ears in scores of markets around the country, including five of the top 10 and 15 of the top 50 markets in the United States of America. Very affordable, very flexible, 30 and 60 second packages available. Give your business a boost and help America get the truth. Call Francis at Media Airtime at 602-300-8250, 602-300-8250, or write Francis at MediaAirtime.com. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-S at MediaAirtime.com. Thank you. We've talked about interest rates, and we've talked about my theory that interest rates, at least on the long-term stuff, are going to go up. They're not going to go down, even though they may have a temporary dip, because they got to sell treasuries to finance all this debt, deficit, and interest payments. And you know, when people are kind of scratching their head over the dollar, they got to use some kind of lever to get them into the bonds, get them into the T-bills, and that's called interest rates. They have to pay an investor for their risk. We've talked about the Federal Reserve manipulations and the fact that the Federal Reserve is not the government. It's really a private bank that's supposed to be separate but isn't. We've talked long and hard about the Great Reset. Our friend Klaus Schwab, you will own nothing and you will be happy. We've talked about CBDCs, right? The digital currencies and the social wallets. We've talked about inflation and we have talked about the $2 trillion, $2 trillion a year deficit that we are enduring right now. We've talked about the inability to stop spending on Capitol Hill. And I mean for the stupidest stuff. The big stupid stuff like Ukraine, paying the pensions of the people in Ukraine, really? The $2,200 a month to illegal aliens? 
along with their free cell phones and five-star hotel accommodations, not to mention the wonderful plane rides all around the country to wherever they want to go or the government decides they need to go to, you know, tip the balance of voting and electoral power. You're fully familiar with the geopolitical mess. We've talked about the South China Sea. We've talked about the Mideast. In fact, we're in that historical series right now. We've talked about Ukraine, the history of Ukraine. All these shows are on the website, on the rightsideradio.com. You know about the bloated bureaucracy that is the overreaching bureaucracy that is the United States of America government, the largest organization in the world, more than 4 million employees, all of which you pay for. We know about the instability of the banks, the fact that the value of bonds goes down as the interest rates on bonds rise, which creates deficits in capital. In other words, negative net worth at banks. We know about the instability in the bond market. The only time since 1770 that the bond market has been in disarray and down in terms of the value of bond instruments for three years in a row. And it very well could happen for the fourth year. And the bond market, I'll remind you, is the backbone. It is the literally the foundation of not only the United States, but the entire global financial system, the United States bond market. Which brings us back to the continuation of last week's topic, real estate. Last week, I focused on land. Many of the rules for land, choosing the right piece of land in the right location, let me underline that, in the right location, given the political, financial, community, and a host of other factors in the area in which you purchase land is true for housing. It's even more true for housing. Why? Because housing is not a scarce commodity. Oh, yes, you hear all this nonsense about there's not enough inventory, et cetera, et cetera. Look, if the real stats are known, folks, and I have some videos up on the website under Ratatat, Family Safety Economy, the real deal is that builders are withholding inventory from survey and market. Many of them are big public builders. They don't want to scare their shareholders. A number of homes are quote-unquote listed, but, you know, kind of kept off the books by both realtors and owners. And the inventory of housing is far greater than you are being led to believe. Yet another, shall we say, psyops. But houses can be built. Anybody can go out and build a house. And they can build it anywhere, which makes it much less scarce than land. That's not to say that housing is not an important preparation. You've got to have a roof over your head. You have to have some place to heat or to air condition, depending upon the climate that you're in. But all these things still come down to the same basic question location. And houses which are kind of separated from other houses have some privacy, have some ability to, should we defend the perimeter, even though it's much smaller than an acreage, are far better than back-to-back, side-to-side row houses in dense urban areas. Remember, the more people around, the more danger perhaps in the future. And one of the things you need to look at in housing, and by the way, in land also, depending upon the age, the demographics of your family, is the school system. What are the policies of the school board? What have they voted on? Who have they appointed as administrators? What are the teachers like? Talk to other parents in the area. How strong is the parents group? Are they listened to in terms of curriculum and school organization? Are the schools well-funded or are they underwater? That's a big deal because guess who's going to be paying for them to get out of their submerged state? That's right, you. And of course, then we have, as you'll see as typified by one of my rat-a-tat-tat stories today, the quality of education. What's the mindset of the teachers? Are they teaching writing, arithmetic, and social studies and civics? Or are they teaching woke crap? 
The other thing to think about housing is proximity to services. You don't want to be too near the center of urban areas. Dangerous. You don't want to be too far out because of the cost of fuel, travel, and time. Try and choose a happy medium if you're going for a kind of a housing type real estate purchase, even in the right locations. Of course, there are the things that have to go with the house, right? Is it energy efficient? And I don't mean Green New Deal. Are there things that you can do to improve energy efficiency? Are there things that you can do to improve value of the house? Remembering that anybody can go out and build a house. They are not scarce. Think about the future when you're looking at a house. Okay, you need X amount of house now because you have two kids, but how's that going to work out when the kids aren't there anymore? Vice versa. You don't have any kids, but you're planning on it. No sense buying a house now and having to buy another one later. Think ahead. Again, some great videos on the website for you. Listen to them. These are experts who go into detail on some of your considerations when buying a house. And one or two of them also have to do with land. They're also on the financial preparedness page on one of our new pages. Just click on the link, upper right-hand corner, homepage on the rightsideradio.com. All sorts of goodies in there, and we'll be adding to it just as we do with the COVID and COVID litigation pages and several others. And the last thing when it comes to financial preparedness and housing is don't get in over your head. Don't go for the maximum mortgage. Don't go for a variable rate in these times of economic upheaval and uncertainty. There's as good a chance, mark my words, that rates can go up astronomically as they can come down. Don't listen to the mainstream media and the government hype and lies. And if you have a variable rate mortgage and long-term rates go to 10%, you're going to be a hurting puppy, particularly if you have overfinanced the house. If you have to borrow money from relatives or friends, work out some private deal. In some cases, you may be able to find owner financing on houses, but that's only going to be where a seller made the right choice as a buyer years ago, has their loan paid off or a very low mortgage so that they have room to work in terms of the carry that they're going to offer you, which will be better than a bank's terms or a mortgage lender's terms. And think about safety in terms of physical preparedness. How can you secure the house? Is there places to store excess food, excess water? Are there places that you might be able to use in terms of, heaven forbid, a nuclear war? What type of utilities is it served by? What are the rate increases in those utilities over the past several years? They're definitely going to be going up in the future. Is there a way you perhaps add an advent to your power requirements? Is there wind in your area for a roof windmill? There are several great ones out. There's some articles and videos posted on the preparedness page. Or perhaps solar, so long as the house faces due south. True south, not not magnetic south. You know, remember the story about the dumbass rancher. As far as the mechanics of the house go, look, the first thing you need is a really good realtor who knows their stuff, has good contacts, home inspectors, etc. I'm not going to get into that here now. Don't be using a realtor just because they were a friend of your aunt's or they were recommended by Sally Lou down the street because they're their brother-in-law or whatever. Do some research when you pick a realtor. And definitely have yourself, unless you are savvy about real estate, represented by a realtor. Whether you're buying land or whether you're buying a house. And make sure it's a good realtor who has your needs, wants, and future considerations foremost in his or her mind, not their commission. We're going to be going into more financial preparedness next week, along with our New Year's show, how well I did for the last year on forecasting, and my forecast for the next year, some of which will, I guarantee you, make you think. But if we have time, we'll also be going into the next little sequence on our financial preparedness, and that is transportation. You bet. Transportation. 
Now let's do some rat-a-tat-tat because there's no way I can get to all the stuff I need to bring you, but let's try and make a dent. So, escalating violence in the Middle East, how apropos to our historical story. British Petroleum, BP. Oh, there's that oil thing again. It announced it's halting oil shipments through the Red Sea because of the attacks by the Houthis. You know, the Iran-backed folks, those radical Islamists in Yemen. Which, by the way, the Biden administration, a la Barry's third term, listen to that series from three, four, five weeks ago, took off the foreign terrorist organization list in 2021. Yeah, I mean, you know, people like blowing up things and firing drones and missiles at your warships and commercial traffic and stopping oil flow across the across the world. They're not terrorists, folks. They shouldn't be on that list. By the way, BP is not alone. There's other major companies that are pausing shipping operations. As an aside, last Saturday, a U.S. warship downed a wave of 14 suicide drones launched from, ah, the Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen. You know, that non-terrorist organization. Bear in mind that the Red Sea, this area, isn't just home to, like, a whole bunch of the world's oil shipments, but it houses a key Egyptian pipeline. Two major straits that book and the Red Sea handle 12% of globally traded seaborne oil, 8% of all global liquefied natural gas, and that was just in the first six months of this year, and a host of other energy-related commodities. Guess what that did to inflation? You know that inflation that they have under control, folks. Oil prices shot up last Monday, 2.7%, the international standard, and American oil also up 2.7%, 73.44 per barrel. And natural gas, oh, too bad for Europe, they spiked by 8%, those contracts. And then remember our little housing thing and how I told you to investigate education, which I might add, make sure that you have the option in the area, the right location, that you're going to be buying a home or land in to provide alternative education for your kids, homeschooling, charter schools, whatever. But there's a new survey that just came out. You don't think education is important, huh? A majority of young American voters believes that, quote, Jews should be treated as oppressors, unquote, and that Israel should be ended and given to Hamas, unquote. It was conducted, by the way, this survey by the Harvard-Harris Polling Group, December 13th of 14. 51% of respondents aged 18 to 24 believe Israel should be ended and given to Hamas and the Palestinians. Only 4% of people who did get an education, a real education, over 65, thought the same. And 60% of that young age group, you know, the group going through the current education process, thought the October 7th Hamas attack was, quote, justified by the grievances of Palestinians. And 76% admitted that they knew that it included rapes and crimes against women. Oh, well, that's just great. 31% believe that Israel does not have the right to exist. 42% believes that Hamas should be allowed to continue to run Gaza. Only 36% of that age group believe that Hamas is a, quote, terror group that rules the people of Gaza with force and fear. And 64%, quite wrongfully, believe that Hamas is, quote, supported by the majority of Palestinians in Gaza, unquote. I guess they don't even watch the videos on YouTube that even the mainstream media plays once in a while. And along the lines of our financial preparedness series, we've gone over precious metals. We're going to hit them a little bit again in the coming weeks. And cryptos, we'll probably do a little bit more on those too. The self-described, quote, largest company in the cryptocurrency industry, unquote, Tether. I'm not sure that's correct, but you know, Tether can inflate things anyway, so what? Because Tether has gotten on board with the United States, you know, secret services, shall we say. Quote, 
Tether has onboarded the United States Secret Service into our platform and is in the process of doing the same with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, unquote. This is the new CEO of Tether. Oh, gee, I wonder if he's woke. Quote, these strategic relationships reinforce our commitment to supporting law enforcement and combating nefarious activities, you know, like anything that is against the Biden administration, and contributing to the recovery of victims' funds. The new CEO's name, by the way, is Paolo Ardiono, or something similar. But listen, it, it gets worse, like a bad night infomercial. Quote, Tether CEO Paolo Ardiono who recently took over the helm of the company, emphasized Tether's recent decision to disable Tether's tokens. That means take your crypto away from you folks. In all wallets on the Office of Foreign Assets and Controls, sanction list, unquote. Quote, Tether claims to have helped the Department of Justice, the U.S. Secret Service, and the FBI freeze 326 wallets controlling 435 million U.S. dollars so far, unquote, period. Just as something to think about, folks. Just something to think about. We're out of time. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Remember, look in the mirror. Repeat after me. And repeat it with conviction. I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and around the globe who love freedom as I do. And we will win. Oh, yes, we will. Keep the wind at your back. I'll talk to you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, go to ontherightsideradio.com. Click on Show Archives and you'll find all of Reed's shows and a terrific array of informative articles, videos, and reference pages. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of On the Right Side Radio with Reed Lance Rosenthal.